And we are back. Episode 6 of What Barry's Talking About from Barry360. I'm Dan Blakely. What could be better than being a kid in a candy store? Owning one, maybe? There's one for sale. We'll tell you where. We get up close and personal with Danny Wagner, drummer for the band Greta Van Fleet. And a local group answered the call for help when volunteers collecting relief items for Ukraine needed storage space. It also came up with some living space for Ukrainian refugees in the Barry area. But first, nominations have closed. The lineup card has been made up for the fall municipal election. Seven people are vying for mayor of Barry. There will be brand new councillors in four of the city's wards, with two current councillors wanting to become mayor and two deciding not to seek re-election. Natalie Harris announced that decision many weeks ago. Keenan Aylwin late last week publishing on social media the reasons why he's not running for a second term, expressing a level of frustration at how municipal politics is played, and making note of an old boys club. Barry 360's Ian McLennan reached out to Aylwin for further explanation. You know, some councillors decide they're not going to run, they exit, go quietly into the sunset. Not going to say that about you with the, uh, with the note that you left to the people that you represent. So why the note and why the exit? For myself personally, I need to take a step back right now to focus um, on healing and um, reconnecting um, with my community. I felt like like a lot of people, I lost that over the past couple of years during the pandemic. I felt very isolated and disconnected from my community. Um, and to do this type of work, um, it's not easy work. So you have to be well enough uh, and healthy enough to do it. Um, so that's why I'm personally taking a step back. But I, I would also say we need more democracy um, in all areas of our lives. Um, the workplace is one place where I think people could do a lot of work to organize with their coworkers, um, build democratic structures within their workplace through unions and collective bargaining, and build a, a collective power um, to change the world. Um, you know, I think politicians like uh, to sell the idea that the only way to make change is to mark your X on a ballot every four years, and then you go home and don't think about it for another four years. Um, but that only advantages the people who are already in power um, and the people disproportionate power through their wealth wealth and privilege. Um, but I think we need to realize that um, we have power outside of elections um, if we band together and organize. Now, municipal politics is said to be more grassroots compared to the provincial or federal level, and just wondering if you found it that way. In some ways, yes. Um, you know, you're closest to the ground. Um, you have the closest um, connection to your immediate community. Um, you know, just the nature of uh, the ward that you represent being um, smaller numbers than, uh, say, the amount of people that uh, an MP or member of parliament or member of provincial parliament would represent um, helps you feel more connected um, to that community. Um, but I think we as a country need to have a serious discussion about um, the powers that municipalities and municipal governments have and don't have. Um, we have a lot of responsibility as cities in this country, but not so much legislative power or spending power. Um, and I think that is a detriment to all of our communities. So we're seeing finger pointing from all levels of government where uh, no one's really taking responsibility for the biggest challenges that we face. We need all levels of government to step up to the plate uh, and do what they can, um, but we're not seeing that action and that's where um, everyday people come in. We need to band together and push politicians uh, to take the action that we so desperately need. 
You know, you wanted some cohesiveness and working together around the council table. But, you know, to be fair, you've had your knuckles wrapped, uh, too, by the Integrity Commissioner regarding a Facebook post that was directed at a pair of Conservative MPs, John Broussard and Alex Nuttall. You've had your knuckles wrapped over a reference to an arrest by Barry Police that the police chief actually called you out on, saying it showed an insensitivity towards victims of crime. So, do you share some of that blame in terms of, you know, the sort of finger-pointing and internal fighting and things like that? Look, I believe there is a way that we can disagree with each other vehemently, uh, call powerful people out, call uh, powerful systems out, um, while still maintaining um, our shared humanity. I think we don't focus enough on the uh, disrespect and the damage that is done by these harmful systems. Um, and we tend to focus on maybe politeness um, a bit too much over truth-telling uh, and honesty. Um, and I'm not afraid to tell the truth about the uh, oppression that we're seeing in our world and uh, the lack of action that we're seeing from people in power. So what's happening? What's happening at City Hall then? Because you made a point in your letter very bluntly, and I'm quoting here, I can tell you the old boys club is alive and well in Barrie. What did you mean by that? There is a relatively small group of people, mostly uh, men, who have a disproportionate amount of wealth and power in the city. Uh, and so they have a disproportionate amount of influence over politics. Um, you know, when I first was deciding whether to run municipally or not, I had a prominent business owner um, approach me and um, try to convince me to run in a ward that I didn't live in, that I had no connection to, because they already had their man uh, in Ward 2. Um, and he promised me a fully funded campaign if I ran in a different ward. And it's that type of thing that goes on behind the scenes that I don't think most people are aware of, um, that I would call the old boys club. Now, are you saying that there are some at City Council that have been bought out by the old boys club? Uh, I would say there are absolutely city councillors uh, and politicians in the city who are maybe not in politics for the right reasons, um, are maybe hoarding power and um, not fighting for the best interests of all people in this city. Okay, did you make any difference or maybe headway in what you wanted to do when you came to City Hall four years ago? Some days I feel like maybe I didn't make as much of a difference as I had hoped. Uh, and then other days um, I can see the difference that I've made. But I never did any of it alone. I always had a community backing me, uh, and I couldn't have done it without people in the community and their support. Um, and I think that's the important thing to remember is that we can only accomplish uh, justice when we work together and build collective power. No one can do it alone. Um, and uh, I hope that that message resonates with people, and, uh, and I think it is. Barry 360's Ian McLennan in conversation with outgoing Barry City Councilor Keenan Aylwin. Michigan rock band Greta Van Fleet played Toronto this past weekend. Rachel Detta, one of our contributors from Rock 95, had a chance to speak via Zoom with drummer Danny Wagner about his dreams, desires, and a certain photo posted to social media. I want to start with the picture you posted yesterday. I want to call it an ode to Canada and to Tommy. What? what where'd that come from? You're like half nude on your Instagram. <laughs> well, uh, some things just cannot be explained. 
some things. Uh, well, touring in general just kind of brings out the best in all of us, and and uh, we are advocates of freedom, and um, you know, within reason, within legal reason. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I really have no idea. It was one of those that was taken and posted in a matter of a minute. So there was not really a whole lot of thought behind it, other than. I want to. And I love the rhinestones that you've been putting on recently. Is there an inspiration for that? Or is that just a style choice? And are you gluing them to your face yourself? Oh, those are all very great questions. Well, um, I just kind of figured as our music and album cycles and our world is evolving, I kind of wanted to continue that trend personally and, and explore a little bit more. I felt like I had been... Uh, just stuck in this very simple little mold of long hair and rock and roll and I wanted to just express myself a little bit more and Josh Josh looked wonderful in them so he kind of did it first I would have to give him some credit for that um, and <laughs> makeup stuff I can handle my own but when it comes to rhinestones I do not have a very steady hand so I, I do get some help with that I love hearing the uh, the answer to this one from out of all your shows is there like something a fan's done in the audience or has created an experience for you that will like always stick with you and maybe it's the first thing to come to mind that's like yeah this one fan did this one thing and I love it and you pretty much tell the story all the time well it's kind of funny I I I've really made a conscious effort to try to notice more when on stage, but and I, I'm such a victim of falling into this unconscious sort of realm when I'm playing, which is great because it, I'm in my own little world and it's beyond focus and anything. You know, you're just kind of there; it becomes second nature. So I, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes out in the crowd that I missed. You know, every Josh and everyone's talking after the show about things that had happened, and I kind of went, "Oh, I missed it." Um, but I'll tell you what, when, when people are singing along to the song, especially the new songs that haven't even been out for that long or haven't been toured on for that long, and when they sing so loud that it actually you know, hinders my ability to hear the rest of the band, that is super special because then the audience is a part of the band. And every time that happens, I'm, I'm definitely struck. Did little Danny or teenage Danny ever dream that would happen for you? Absolutely not. He hoped. I guess, but he never imagined it actually becoming a reality. Oh man, this, oh, I can only imagine, like this must be a dream for you just from beginning to where you are now. Cause you have guys have made such a name for yourselves around the world and you guys are a regular request on our station, which is absolutely awesome. Now I got two more things I want to do. First things first is uh, we have an unofficial send off to summer where we list the top 500 rock songs of all time. Uh, now this I'm putting you on the spot. Can you maybe name like two or three? Yeah, I can. I can sh surely dig up some. Uh, well, one um, all along the Watchtower, Jimi Hendrix. It's probably my favorite rock and roll song of all time. Let's uh, let's go with uh, "Won't Get Fooled Again" by the Who. Oh, iconic! If you want, we can just go straight to this fun little game that, as a drummer, I think you would appreciate just a little bit. Yeah, I love games. It's a little bit of a this or that, but we're going to use the Woodstocks as an example. So if you love the idea of it, Woodstock 69, or you could just say 69. If you don't like it, it kind of isn't your jam, seems a little chaotic, just say 99 or Woodstock 99. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, a song with heavy double kick. I mean, it's in every corner of that song. Oh, goodness. Um... I would have to say that that's probably 99. There you go. How about some slick stick tricks? Ooh. I'm going to go with 
I'm gonna go with 69. Ooh, why 69 on the stick tricks? Because I, there were a lot of amazing flashy acts that went on during like the middle of the night, like Sly and the Family Stone, and then, and then there was also like Hendrix and, and Santana, and they all have very uh, iconic drummers. So that's why I said that one. And how about some impromptu fills? Impromptu? How impromptu? Like they didn't even know they were doing it? Six yeah, months. and like, you, like maybe you shouldn't be playing right now impromptu fill. You're like, I got a great idea for this. Yeah, like maybe they don't even know they're there consciously. 69. There you go. Uh, how about playing on the offbeat? Ooh. Oh, that's a, oh wow, that's a tough one. Um, let's also go 69. Things are a lot more experimental. Yeah, and either you can be intentional it sound great, or if it's an accident, it still might sound great. Yeah, exactly. Oh. No one knew the difference. And last thing, how about a halftime breakdown? Ooh. Gosh, again, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go 69, just because there was so much jamming and so much impromptu. The whole thing was just impromptu in general. The whole idea of a, the festival. Thank you so very much for your time. Wonderful. Thank you, Rachel. Rock 95 personality Rachel Detta catching up with Greta Van Fleet drummer Danny Wagner. Still to come, some added help for Ukrainian refugees in Barry and a trip to the candy shop. Now this. This is your cool concert listing. Hey there, it's Amy with this week's cool concert listings. Saturday, August 27th, at the Budweiser stage welcomes Blue Rodeo with special guest Sarah Harmer. Ice Cube hits the Casino Rama stage September 2nd. Sam Roberts will arrive at the Kitabala for two nights, starting September 3rd and the 4th. Boy George and the Culture Club comes to Casino Rama Resort September 3rd. Scotiabank Arena welcomes Post Malone and the 12 Carat Tour. September 20th. The weekend after hours till dawn tour comes to the Rogers Center for the rescheduled date of September 22nd. This has been your cool concert listings for details and for ticket information. Head on over to 1075coolfm.com. Stay up to date at 1075coolfm.com. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. A tough goal for sure for Ukrainian refugees who have come to the Barry area. Tough too for the volunteers trying to help them when they lost their storage space for items being collected for Ukrainians settling here and those in need in the homeland. Barry 360 put out a call for help and the IOOF stepped up not just with storage space, but also some living space for our newcomers. Here again, Barry 360's Ian McLennan with IOOF Seniors Home CEO Gary Hopkins. Now, how did you become involved in offering um, 10 apartments to um, Ukrainian refugees? You, you did mention that uh, one of your colleagues approached you after seeing an article on Barry360.com. I got in touch with the person that you uh, that you mentioned in the article that was mentioned in the article, a, uh, a Janie Harris. She's working a lot with the Ukrainian folks here in Barry. Uh, 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 she has some background that's Ukraine, it goes back uh, several generations. So I emailed Janie and said, you know what, I saw your ad that was given to me by one of my nursing directors, my nursing consultant, and I said, look, we have space, and there's what it is. And she said, well, can we come and look at the space? And this will lead you to the apartments. So originally it was the space that they needed to sort their things, storage and that kind of thing. So Janie came with uh, a lady, Oksana. They're working with several Ukrainians here. 
And so Janie came over to look at the space that we had that we that we could give them for the sorting. What I I would call it the original, the, the what the what DON was using. So they came and looked at it, and and uh, let me just tell you, if then somebody on site to see this, uh, I was moved to see the reaction of the the uh, Ukrainian woman. Her daughter has just come at to leave Ukraine with her three uh, children. The husband is still in Ukraine. And to see the reaction, the emotional reaction when they saw this space, and that I was prepared to offer this to them at no cost. So we talked about what the space could be used used for, and then I said, um, "Do you have any need for some transitional housing that you could use? Uh, I can make something available until March the thirty first, twenty thirty twenty twenty three." And uh, uh, they were shocked. And so that's so the original conversation was about the space for sorting, storage, et cetera. Uh, the conversation then, I was the one who brought up to them that I had these apartments that I would be more than willing to make to make available uh, to this group that works with Jeannie and these you and and some I call it a local Ukrainian association. And when will these apartments be available? These apartments are going to be available immediately. What what is the takeaway, I guess, from IWOF in terms of giving back to uh, these people who've had to flee their flee their homeland and flee a war? Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, let me just tell you that I spoke after this was uh, an operational decision, but I wanted to make sure our board of directors were aware. And I talked with the board chair, and the board chair thought it was the best. Uh, it was amazing. He was just a uh, move that uh, that I had come up with this thought that we could. Uh, uh, assist our Ukrainian friends who've been displaced uh, uh, because of this, uh, these atrocities uh, that have happened to them. And so, oh no, it, uh, I, I, actually every day I feel so good when I talk about what we're going to assist them to do. It makes me feel really, really good. I've spent my entire life working what I call displaced and, and disenfranchised people. Long before I came to the IOF, I've been here for seven years. And at the, and what you're doing reflects the vision or mission statement of you know, absolutely, the IOF, yeah. absolutely. We are reflecting. We are absolutely reflecting. Now it goes aside what our mission is in terms of in terms it's for seniors, but but we're making this exception because we believe there's this this is a, a humanitarian thing to do. It's a humanitarian deed, and so yeah, we feel quite we feel quite proud and happy about it. Gary Hopkins is CEO of IOOF Seniors Homes. A popular stop on Highway 11 on the way home from the cottage, perhaps because it helps keep the kids quiet for the rest of the drive home, perhaps because you can buy almost every kind of candy imaginable, but maybe not for long. Rita Robinson and her husband Dean are selling the business. Barry 360's MJ paid them a visit to find out what's involved in running a candy store and, well, more importantly, satisfying her sweet tooth. Sort of, I guess a little bit bittersweet, um, is like you're going to be selling the business after how many years? Uh, we've been in business for 23 years. I've worked every single weekend uh, for 23 years. It's time to take back some family time, do some things for my own life. I also turned 65 like six months ago, so it's time to retire. And um, it's been a it's been a lot of fun for the last 23 years. Um, kind of hard to stop doing something that's this successful. And a lot of people go like the place is jammed with people on weekends. We're sort of at the top of everything, but we have no kids and we have no family that wants to take the business over. So 
We've been looking for um, somebody to take over and buy it probably since last January, maybe a year even before that. Obviously, it's it's a lot of hard work and and a lot to um, mm-hmm. think of. But for you, what are some of like, the great benefits? I mean, you're literally working in a candy store. I mean, you just like smile when you say candy. You just yeah. say that it's anybody. What are sort of like like sort of like sell me on like buying a candy shop? What would how awesome is it? Well, the biggest thing is you're not selling anything to people that they don't want. So you're not forcing them to buy anything. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to make a sale. You're not trying to convince them to buy something. They're in here. They can make up their own minds, and they do. And uh, they're always smiling. They're always happy. The colors outside, I think, are totally anti-grump colors. Grumpy people don't make it past the past the colors outside and, and the signage. Uh, grumpy people don't usually want to be cheered up anyway. But, you know, so people walk in. They anticipate um, kind of leaving all the troubles at the door, coming in and having a good time. It's a great place for people to spend time with kids and talk about their old candies, you know, from long time ago. And re- relive a lot of memories they see things in candy that they haven't seen since they were little and the look on their face that pretty well pays for all the pain you know and i know right now it's like um i think facebook i think we're ha- we've got something like five thousand posts on facebook mm-hmm. you know talking about their experiences at the candy shop and that was last week i haven't even checked now um you know just wishing us well in our retirement but everybody understands yes we've worked hard yes we've done a darn good job of doing this Mm-hmm. And they're all all hoping that somebody will take over and somebody will run with it and, and still bring candy in, in, in this location. Okay. Because they're all intending to, to be customers and loyal customers to whoever takes over. And, uh, you know, you can set your own hours. You do have to be here on weekends. You know, you do have to be here on long weekends. That's when the traffic is going. We have a lot of customers that go up to the cottage every week or every two weeks. and or then we get the people that are traveling back and forth that are visiting friends or family elsewhere, or they're traveling in, you know, on planes or whatever and going to Toronto or to concerts or to big events, you know. Um, so those people stop on the way down and on the way back. Um, we also have the people that just come through once a year that might travel all the way from uh, BC to visit family here, you know, annually. And they're always saying, I'll see you next year. I'll see you next year. Mm-hmm. So after a while, you get to know an awful lot of people. Do you get a lot of comments of like people coming in and noticing lots of candy I haven't thought of since I was a kid? It'll be like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say, man, that makes me feel old. I'd forgotten about this. <laughs> you know? Sure. You know? Now, like, silly question, um, but I'm wondering, like, how do you avoid eating the profits? <laughs> I guess this place is delicious. <laughs> uh, or is it kind of like working in a chocolate factory? You just forget about it after a while. No, I... Actually, I, I kind of, I eat it when I need an energy boost, you know, when yeah, I've been running yeah. my tail off and hadn't, hadn't really stopped for lunch, you know. When I get home, I know exactly what I wanted to bring home, and I always forget to bring it home. Uh, my husband, I think he eats all the profits. He's a complete chocolate-holic, I'll tell you. I've <laughs> never seen anybody with a tolerance for chocolate like that before. <laughs> and he's curious. He always wants to try everything. So lately he's been like opening a chocolate bar and giving everybody who's working a piece to try, you know, which is perfect because then you don't have to eat the whole bar. Yeah. So it's been kind of fun. And we've got brought all these weird soda pops in. Like we've got one called Rocket Piss that actually glows in the dark. Well, I don't know how it glows in the dark. You know, but, you <laughs> know, find out. Yeah, or wormoos or whatever. You know, there's, there's some really weird soda pops that we found, and we brought them in from the States just for fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, we had uh, banana soda and pear soda, you know, and blood orange soda, you know, so, and a lot of different root beers and a lot of different, just a lot of different soda pops. Things from uh, Japan as well, you know, so there's there's been uh, quite an experimental uh, time where you open something and you 
pours us all a little try of something, you know. But the biggest market for us has been anything new, anything weird, anything bizarre. And we've got some great suppliers that are always bringing in something that's just cutting edge, you know. So, like, I think we have maybe, I don't know, eight different flavors of Kit Kat, you know. And there's always, like, different Oreo cookies coming out. You know, like last year was Lady Gaga, and I think we had, you know, carrot cake ones and... You know, we've had like some really strange, strange product come through. Mind you, it's a one-shot deal. Like it comes in, it sells through, and I can't get it again. Got um, fruity pebbles syrup for your, you know, for your pancakes right now. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Everybody does the same. Yeah. The same look on Weird. your face is like, like what? They go, what? Like, what would I use this for? You know? They consider it and they go, Yeah, I think I could do this. <laughs> you know? Just think about it. For yeah, a think about it for a minute. You know, okay. so. People love it because they come in and there's something new all the time. Yeah. You know? and even if they don't love it, it was something that they tried and it was just yeah. fun to experience, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If someone is interested, how can they get in contact? Just call you directly? Or? Uh, call, call the store. Okay. You know, call the store. Rita Robinson of the Candy Shop, soon to be retiring her sweet tooth. If you're interested in developing one of your own, call Rita at 705-325-8334. She'd be happy to take the wrap off the candy business for you. So, a sweet finish to this week's edition of What Barry's Talking About. Thanks to MJ, Ian, and Rachel for their contributions, and to Matt Ladder for his technical prowess. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter, at Barry360, and on our website, barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. We're back again next week. Hope you'll join us again. <laughs>